the good girl energy is a setup. We're never, ever going to win a trophy for it. There's always going to be someone judging us. We're probably going to be constantly judging ourselves anyhow. So we're probably miserable in that space anyhow. And there can be great freedom to just say, this is not serving me anymore. You're burnt out or well on your way there. You're in a constant state of efforting, hustling, and wanting. And frankly, it's exhausting. I'm Dr. Mandy Leto, a self-described recovering overachiever, and I get it. These are the conversations to help you navigate your own self-discovery. Here, you are brave, imperfect, and whole just as you are. Because enough isn't somewhere you get to, a finish line, a title, a state of grace. It's something you choose. Nobody is coming to save you. The beautiful thing is, you get to save yourself, and I'm walking this journey with you. It's time to be more while doing less. Welcome to Enough. We have a humdinger of an episode today with psychotherapist Rachel Hasper. We start to unpack the concept of good girl energy, nice guy energy, which blocks us from living our truest lives. Maybe we grew up learning that if we had no needs, if we were passive, pleasant, polished, didn't rock the bow, didn't make a fuss, we got praised for that. And maybe it was a way of avoiding criticism and shaming. The challenge is when we bring this energy into adulthood, it actually blocks us knowing who we really are, what our truest desires are. It prevents us from putting very necessary boundaries into place that can drain our energy and leave us flapping in this constant chronic sense of not enoughness. What would it be like to put ourselves at the center of our own lives? If this is something you need to hear, grab your cuppa. I will be right back with Rachel Hasper. Rachel Hasper, I am so delighted to have you here on the podcast. Thank you so much for playing with us today. I am so excited to be here, Mandy. Thank you for inviting me. This is a topic that's really close to my own heart because for most of my adult life, I didn't know what I didn't know that I was actually turning up in good girl energy. And it was only when somebody pointed out to me that, you know, you don't need to be a good girl anymore. I had this gaping mouth moment. Oh, my, uh, oh, I didn't realize that I was playing this out for so much of my life. So I really wanted to have you on the show today to help us unpack this phenomenon that is good girl energy or nice guy energy. Could you tell us a little bit from your experience in your practice, what that looks like for you, this concept of good girl or nice guy energy? Absolutely, Mandy. And I, I had the same experience with you that one, we, we just don't know what we don't know and we can't see it all. But it is that jaw drop. When you hear those words, those terms, good girl energy, nice guy energy, I think those of us, I think we all know it. We just get what it is. And it's living externally versus living internally, I think, where we are checking all the boxes with good girls. We are pleasing, but not, not provocative. 
we don't make other people uncomfortable. We live up to the rules and the norms. And I think similar with nice sky energy is that everyone loves him. Mother-in-law loves him. He's good with the guys. He can be a best friend. And there's nothing wrong with any of those things, but they can keep us from, I think, living our truest, fullest self. That completely resonates. So how would this, just in case listeners are thinking, yeah, I'm not, but again, as I said, neither of us didn't know, we didn't know what we didn't know. So how would this behavior manifest as an adult? As an adult, I see that people live more concerned with others than with intention of who they really are, that we can't really show up fully because we are always filtering and navigating our life in a way that is for what other people think. So it it kind of makes me think of in love, actually, I think his name is Jamie and he's just the nice guy. Like he's likable. And there's this moment where he decides that he's going to go and get the girl. And he shows up with all of his Christmas presents to the house of his family and the kids come and greet him. And he drops the presents and he says, you know what? I've got to go. And then the the little kids, I think they say something like, oh, we hate Uncle Jamie. And they make this big fuss about it because now they're not pleased that he's finally choosing him. And that shows up across the board that we get in this good girl, nice guy energy. One, we might not see it, but we're protected in that space. So I'm either getting praise and feeling like my worthiness comes from there, or I'm avoiding pushback too. Yeah, completely. And the ways that some of the ways that it showed up for me is I would definitely go into a place of conflict avoidance for one thing, because that obviously would upset the apple cart. So Mm -hmm. conflict avoidance, is that a thing of how it might manifest? Yes, because we are going to choose peace and people pleasing over what we might need to say or want to say. So conflict avoidance that people-pleasing is a huge buzzword for thinking about being in that type of energy. And, you know, something else that I see too, uh, once you get to a certain phase of life is we, we meet this burnout or we do the thing that's called the midlife crisis, which I really think is a midlife opportunity, but that. it just gets to be too much. Yeah. So that for me was a result of overachieving. So this kind of radical independence, the the overachieving energy, all of these things Mm -hmm. seem to me, if I trace the spaghetti trail back, it comes back to this good girl, please don't rock the boat. Don't be controversial. Don't make waves. It's, It's all of this. Just behave in a specific, predictable, pleasing, passive way. And, you know, don't have any needs. Don't make a fuss. Don't make a spectacle of yourself. It's that energy that can show up in adults as independent, radical independence. I don't need anybody. I don't have mm-hmm. needs, those sorts of things. So where sure. does this come from? I think that it can come from, you know, the two main places that I see it come from, Mandy, is one, and it, it's so human for us to enjoy praise and enjoy being kind of fussed over in a really positive way. And we can be shaped that way from early on that we might get the attention from our parents when we get the great grades, when we are the achievers and we get that trajectory just keeps going with the role because it it 
feels so good. And it might be all that we know to do all those things, have no needs, be the one who pleases everyone. I'm not going to rock the boat too much, but I am going to make everyone proud. So there's a lot of reward coming from that. And then the second part of it is avoiding, you know, avoiding discipline, punishment, ridicule, that none of us want to be shamed or rejected. And so if I'm in the good girl energy and I decide to step out more of like that black sheep type of idea that we get is I actually might be harmed if I'm not in that good girl energy. So I do it either because it's really giving me something that feels pleasant or I'm avoiding something that's really painful. Yeah. Okay. So these things all go back to childhood and the way that we were shaped. It was a coping mechanism Mm -hmm. is what I'm hearing you say. Absolutely. From parents, from teachers, from coaches, from peers. And we kind of get put in this place and then this is our role and then this is who I am. And it might be the only thing we know how to be. And I suppose as kids, we're not, we're very creative, but we're not necessarily very mature in understanding what our options are. We don't have a lot of options as kids, right? So it's actually quite remarkable that we figured this stuff out at a young age but it can take its toll. And I know if you're willing to share, I know that you being in good girl energy really started to take its toll on you as you became a teenager and a young woman. Would you tell us about that? Sure, Bandy. And um, thank you for, for giving me the space to share a bit of my story. And I, like you, I didn't really know that I was in good girl energy. I was just trying to get praise and keep myself safe. And it wasn't until, you know, I had issues from middle school, eating disorders manifested. And as a, as a therapist, we know that the identified patient or client is really at that age in a family system, the canary in the coal mine. But I internalized it. It must be something with me. I must be the one that just can't figure it out or get it together. But on the outside, I'll just keep everything going. But when I was, when I was 30, and I had babies, I was in the hospital with a heart attack. And that was a big, I have to really get to the bottom of this and figure it out. And it's one of the reasons that I know that emotional and mental health really manifest physically. So chronic illness is something that I understand. And it took me getting back into some serious therapy with a woman who was super talented and really knew good girl energy herself to educate me about what was going on. And I think give myself permission to start stepping into who I really, truly, fully am as a human, but that hadn't been allowed for me. So how did that show up prior to you, like between, so the eating disorder was one way that it started to show Mm up and what was that for you? I mean, now that you can look at yourself as a, through the therapist lens, was that a way of, of having control? Was that a way of, what was that for you? If we look at this as a manifestation of how that good girl energy was playing out and how you were finding your, were you finding a way of pushing back against it? Do you have a lens for us for that? Sure. Certainly. I think the control piece is significant, especially when we look at the dynamics of a, of a family or a group of people and seeing that, you know, there's so much anxiety when there's 
unpredictability. But then the other thing too, and food and body dysmorphia is something that weaves itself throughout the days of my clinical work because the other part is trying to be the good girl, trying to be small enough, cute enough, all of those, again, some external factors that I was really trying to, trying to shape. I will be the pleasing one that everyone tells me I should be. And then as you became a mother and you were in your 20s, what was it that was still like, how was that good girl energy manifesting? Because you were a grown up at this stage. So mm-hmm. how was that manifesting that ended up contributing to you having that brick wall moment that, wow, this needs to change. Talk us through that. You know, being in my, in the field that I am, I was really just grateful and I think lucky to be connected to people who could see things that I couldn't see and who could kind of be one lap lane ahead of me in the pool and have done some of their own work to help me kind of identify and start sorting through things. And I think it was kind of that midlife moment where enough is enough, that there has to be something going on and there has to be a better way for me to exist and to truly be myself. Were you still feeling pressure from your family? Was it pressure you were putting on yourself? It was really pressure from my family. And I, I let me rephrase that. I don't know if it was so much pressure from my family, but trying to fit in, in a way with a family that has dynamics that were really dysfunctional. And that now that I traced back to early on of not being seen and really living in that good girl energy of, I operated from avoiding shame and gaining praise. It was those two factors where I navigated my life and I had either belonging or worthiness or I just didn't have any pushback, right? So if I was pleasing and doing the right thing, at least the majority of my family like wouldn't talk poorly about me. But for forever, I I also knew that that wasn't me. Now, I, looking back, I eloped at the age of 18 and I've been married for 23 years this year, which is pretty incredible. And that was one of the first turning points of me choosing to be myself while then over the span of, you know, those coming years of my 20s, still really doing the best that I could to participate in systems that had some serious things that needed to be addressed. So I know from what you've told me before that it wasn't like this beautiful, sparkly, candlelit path of going from this place of you're in hospital, you have two babies, you realize this needs to stop. So it wasn't necessarily this beautiful, easeful route to, oh, I'm now enlightened and I'm no longer going to <laughs> to behave in this yes. way. <laughs> so it's totally normal for anybody listening if all of a sudden you're thinking, okay, well, I hear what she's saying. And I've had so many of those enough moments, but it's so hard to shift something that's so dyed in the wool. Can you mm-hmm. can you take us to your turbulence of knowing that this stuff had to shift, but, but still wrangling with old behaviors. So I know you mentioned that, you know, you were gaslighting yourself, like, was it really this bad? And take us into that turbulent place. Sure. And I'm so glad that you put that out on the table, Mandy, because we can definitely expect pushback just like Jamie and love actually, you know, they did not like it when he chose 
him when he he did something that he knew he needed to do. And that might be a, a minor thing, but when we decide that we're going to show up and live our life for us, people aren't going to like it so much. And so it was several years of working with my therapist and building up a support system of people who truly saw me and had my back and wanted to be around me for me. And letting the process of knowing that other people get to have their own feelings. It's kind of like that that very conflict averse. We're going to have to come up against the edge and have other people who can hold some space for us to really have a difficult time when we do that. And on the other end of it now, really kind of being at peace with how things have settled out with family and having drawn boundaries and having a really good understanding of complex trauma. And that's why I really love working with it. And coming into listening to who I am. So I guess if I was going to say, when you navigate the turbulent times, one of the most important things that you can do is make space to have a relationship with yourself. Because that part is missing. That me knowing who I am, that, that wasn't a thing. Like I operated on a human doing, not a human being for the first you know, two decades, three decades of my life. And when I get to come and listen to what I truly know inside, that can help me navigate when things are hard. Whoa, I just wanted to make sure you caught that. So we're pausing the episode. Did you hear what she said about being a human doing and not a human being? One of the reasons it's so easy to get stuck in this energy is when we have no idea what our actual desires are. So I want you to reflect maybe on your next walk or if you're somebody who journals, play with this sentence stem, either walking and just doing it in your mind or better yet, sitting with your journal for two minutes and just working with this sentence stem. I want, then you fill in the blank and you keep your hand moving for two minutes or you just keep yourself on your walk thinking through, I want, and then let whatever bubbles up, bubble up. It doesn't mean that you need to pursue those things, but you're practicing being in relation with your wants. Okay, just wanted to share that. Back to the episode. And I suppose it's learning to trust that what wants to bubble up. I resonate with that so much. Mm -hmm. I didn't actually know what I wanted or what felt right or what I wanted to wear as opposed to what I thought I should wear or you know, what do I want? It could be like the real basic stuff, like where do I actually want to go for dinner or on holiday or what, Mm -hmm. you know, what colors do I want to wear? Or, and that can go much deeper than into that is actually not okay with me. And no, I'm not okay to continue to play that role that I've always played in the family of being the sensible one or the one that, you know, the one who always, supplies Christmas dinner or the one who, Mm -hmm. you know, there's certain roles that we learn how to play. And then all of a sudden, when we don't play those roles anymore, it can be discombobulating not only to others, but to ourselves too, to explore for the first time what our actual needs and wants and desires are. Yes. And indecision, I would say too, if we kind of go back to how does this manifest, how does it show up is that indecision can be a huge thing too, because we just don't want to make the wrong decision or we want to make sure everyone else is pleased by how we are showing up. So if that means that I know that they don't like it, 
when I wear a certain outfit, I'm probably not going to wear that outfit. But instead now, if it's the outfit that I want to wear, I'm going to wear it. But first steps would be one, just spend some time and try it on. So I might just in my mind, make up my own movie where I'm pretending to show up as the person I really want to show up as, not the person that they think that I am or who I've even been in that role. And then the next step, you know, to go out and live life is to live it and do those things with people who will embrace you and who will really be so glad that you're empowering yourself to step in fully to who you are. So do it in these safer, safer ways where we don't just jump right in and rock the boat immediately. I love that piece around permissioning yourself to try it on in your own mind first. You know, like if I really, mm-hmm. what would that feel like? What would it look like? And there's almost like a giddy roller coastery stomach feeling of thinking, ooh, if I actually experimented with what delights me. And it's interesting when I started to play with this, a lot of these things that would delight me, some of them were very childlike. Like I wanted, I wanted to get a skipping rope and I wanted to eat ice mm-hmm. cream. And I mean, I was already an extremely grown up woman. So what's going on there? You know, that's funny that you say that because I grew up playing soccer and that was one of my like safe, supportive places. And I have wanted to get a soccer ball with one of those little nets where I can just like juggle it throughout the house without breaking anything. And I think it comes from giving ourselves, coming back to who we have been throughout the years and actually really embracing maybe some of those parts that we had growing up, but we weren't fully ourselves in those moments either. So they might be things that feel really good, feel really comforting, feel really fun. That fun is so important in, in our well-being. But I think that we have these ages that we visit and they never really leave us, but they'll show up at different times. So and yeah, it, it can also be part of reclaiming, reclaiming where we maybe didn't get to fully be. I, I definitely really crave more of that child playing, being outside, tree hugging, running with the dog, those sorts of energies. I crave those now. So mm-hmm. I love this invitation of yours to question, like, what would it be like to say yes to ourselves first? What would delight me? What would bring me joy? Just to start having that dialogue with ourselves can be so nourishing. Yes. And I think, Mandy, one thing that I would start to understand in knowing that we're leaning to joy and fun, that is significant in seeing that we're setting down we're we're setting down the role of people pleasing and knowing that we're already enough without fitting ourselves to this external shaping of what other people are wanting from us or what we believe we're supposed to be. Because when we're working, that's a job. It's like a full-time job. I'm always in some capacity on. And when I can set that down, I actually have fun again. That's something that shows up where we have to learn it again to embrace joy and to give ourselves permission. That might not have even been been a thing growing up. I'm wondering how all of this can help us to walk boldly in the direction of developing real deep core level resilience. I've been watching 
with interest the you know the unfolding what's happening in the world with Meghan Markle and how she seems to be refusing to stay in the box of what constitutes a good girl if we're looking at this on the global stage mm-hmm. and one of the things i really admire is being able to stand in what is right for her like for her being able to stand it in her truth knowing that there's so many people taking cheap pot shots from the side and having opinions and this is not into the place of being globally criticized i don't mean getting to that place but to mm-hmm. get to the place where we can boldly stand in our truth knowing that there might be backlash and i love the steps that you've given us of give yourself permission to what it would be like to say yes to yourself first and then surround yourself with a community who will help you to habitualize that those people will encourage mm-hmm. that and is there any other parting words you could give us or tips tricks observations about the whole Meghan Markle thing about how we can get ourselves into a place of robustness I mean, obviously she doesn't love mm-hmm. this backlash that's happening sure. but but she's there's something there's something about that oak tree energy within her that is something that I think wow this woman this woman is modeling something I have two initial thoughts to that Mandy and the first one is that there's no winning anyway the good girl energy is a setup we're never ever going to win a trophy for it. There's always going to be someone judging us. We're probably going to be constantly judging ourselves anyhow. So we're probably miserable in that space anyhow. And there can be great freedom to just say, this is not serving me anymore. And I don't have to be afraid. And then the second part is just this this thing that we develop internally of my self-worth is not defined by pleasing other people. And we might start with a little bit of doubt around that but really working to have conviction that my worthiness, my enoughness is completely independent of what anyone else says about me because now I'm living inside out, not externally and then shape-shifting myself. I think that's very powerful and ultimately the place that we come back to because that's how we all began, right? We are, we're all, mm-hmm. the journey to enough is ultimately coming back to ourselves and to the wholeness that's already been there all along, but was just covered over with shame, guilt, all of these stories Mm -hmm. that we tell ourselves, our willingness to play that certain role. I ask every guest at the end of an episode to lay a brick on the journey to enough, a word, a phrase that listeners can take with them. And I'm wondering what's coming up for you there. I would come back to permission. And I think I really, truly think that the most powerful medicine you can give yourself is permission. There are a lot of other things that that come, but without the opportunity to even explore or begin or be different, then none of the other work really matters. Yeah, thank you. How would you apply that brick of wisdom permission to somebody who's listening, who may be close to your hospital moment. They know that this can't go on. If you were speaking directly to that person right now, what would you say? Oh, I would have so much compassion in my heart, Mandy. And I would just say, please reach out and find someone who can love you and support you 
and, and give you safety, who will have your back, because it, it's pretty tough to do it on our own. So I would just say you're worthy, you deserve it. And there's a different way. Mm. And it can be so good. <laughs> I love this wisdom from the other side, because, you know, me having been in that moment myself with my burnout, it feels it really feels like a symbolic death. And I add the symbolic part mm -hmm. in hindsight, but it really feels like life is slipping through your fingers. Life as you know it, your, your compass, which often can be that nice guy energy or that good girl energy. This is how I've always been powerful. This has been my sat-nav for life. And all of a sudden, you know you have to give that up. It just feels, it feels like a death of sorts. So I love that comment that it can be so good. And I 100% agree with you and have had the same experience. And if we're thinking, who will I be without this, this role and all these kind of confinements that keep me safe? We could ask that with a really positive spin on it. Like we don't have to know, but gosh, we can dream about it. And that's exciting. And that's life-giving. That's totally There's the exciting. renewal. Right yeah. there. Just being open. Let it be possible. Let it be possible that it could be so yeah. good. Oh, I Rachel, love that statement too. Such a nourishing, soul-affirming conversation. I always love talking to you. You are full of so mm -hmm. much wisdom. And I already know that listeners are going to want more of you. Where can people hang out with you? They can hang out with me at rachelhasper.com. And on Instagram, it's just rachel.hasper. So just Put my name in a Google search and I, I look forward to connecting. Thank you so much for playing with us. Mandy, it has been my pleasure. Thank you so much. Who do you know who would benefit from Rachel Hasper's wisdom in this episode? I'd be so darn grateful if you could share this with them. And as a bonus, I would bust into full-on kitchen dancing with jazz hands if you could just see me now <laughs> if you'd be willing to head on over to itunes and leave a review for enough the podcast it's really really helpful for a new podcast to get a toehold in a crowded space when we have some reviews so deep bow of gratitude in advance if you're called to do that next week we have hayden lee rocking the mic talking to us about the enneagram which is a self-development tool, I suppose you could call it that, to help us understand our motives and also what might be in the way of us feeling good enough. Here's a little excerpt from next week's episode. I would love to know what is the Enneagram and why should we care? Well, you know I love that question. <laughs> Enneagram, as you know, is one of my favorite systems of development that I use for people. And that's actually what I call it. I don't even really refer to it as a tool or an assessment. I call the Enneagram a system of development and self-awareness. And the reason why I call it a system is because the Enneagram is an opportunity for people to learn about their unique Enneagram type, but also to use the Enneagram as a map to develop into their best self. Looking forward to seeing you next week. Thank you so much for joining. As ever, I'm so grateful that you're here. This is Mandy Leto signing out for Enough, the podcast.